You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast, and we like to keep the content here as relevant as humanly possible. So today, with turkey season already here in a lot of states, or getting ready, like for me here in Iowa, I'm not going to be able to hunt for a couple more weeks yet. Uh, The youth season, I think we're about a week out from the youth season here in Iowa, and then we have a first, second, third, fourth shotgun season, and then the archery season is all of that combined. But uh, we're going to be talking about turkey hunting gear and equipment today, and there's only one guy I really wanted to do that with, and that is my uh, brother from the Sportsman's Nation, Parker McDonald of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, and uh, he's a turkey hunting nut. He's uh, way more into it than I am. But uh, today we're going to be talking about things like decoys, uh, the best camouflage patterns, um, firearms, like what shotgun he prefers, uh, what shotgun I prefer, what kind of shell we like to use in those, along with, uh, I think I said decoys, calls, camo, firearms, and I think that's it. And we get into the thick of all of that stuff. So it's a really good conversation about uh, turkey hunting gear and equipment. Uh, what we like, what we dislike, what we've liked in the past versus like we, what we uh, uh, what we like now, and uh, it's a really good episode, man. Lots of good information, lots of lots of good BS as always. And before we get into today's episode, though, just want to make sure that you guys are subscribed to the Hunting Gear Podcast on iTunes or wherever you download your uh, podcast. I mean, we're, we should be about everywhere by now. And uh, so keep that in mind. Make sure sure you're subscribed to that one or following along there or just on one of the uh, Nine Finger, uh, or not the Nine Finger, but uh, Sportsman's Nation feeds as well. So uh, commercial time, I have, obviously we have the average conservationist. Uh, these guys are putting out some really sweet apparel, right? They have awesome hats, hoodies, T-shirts. They are, uh, they're, the, they're the kind of T-shirts. Uh, I got some love handles on me. And they're the kind of t-shirts that are tight in the right spots or fit form fitting in the right spots like the shoulders and chest. And then they kind of are, they go down and they make you kind of look good, (laughs) which is, uh, I mean, 
I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to come out of that one. But anyway, the, they don't hug you so tight around the gut and the love handles. And it makes a guy like myself with not the best uh, the best V shape in the world a little, you know, make, makes a guy feel pretty confident. So um, on top of that, they have some badass logos, uh, all conservation focused. And uh, I'll tell you this right now, why I like working with this company is because uh, 10% of all of their profits go to some form of conservation effort. And uh, I'm a huge fan of that. And that's why I decided I, I wanted to work with, the, with these guys. On top of that, if you go to their website, theaverageconservationist.com, you can enter the discount code NFC10 for 10% off of your purchase. So. NFC10 for 10% off of your purchase at theaverageconservationist.com. Go check it out. Really cool stuff. Uh, and then we have uh, new to the Hunting Gear podcast. We're going to welcome Lone Wolf. Now, if you listen to me on the Nine Finger Chronicles website, you have heard me talk about Lone Wolf for as long as I can remember. And it's the tree. It's a tree stand that once I started. Um, using the, the the lone wolf product right the lone the lone wolf portable tree stand product uh my success changed um when i'm mobile and the equipment is quiet and i'm able to get into the right spots versus the uh, the right spots versus the close enough spots that's when my success uh, started going up, right? First time in, best time in. And I'm, I'm using a, a Lone Wolf portable tree stand with that. Now, if you want to find out more information about uh, um, Lone Wolf, lonewolfhuntingproducts.com and uh, check out their uh, climbers, their hang-ons. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Assault in Four Sticks. That gets me anywhere that I want to go. Lightweight, mobile, running gun. That's how I roll and uh, you guys should too. So, Enter the discount code. We got a discount code for these guys too, and that is 9FC21. 9FC21, and you're getting $50 on, uh, $50 off all orders over 200 bucks, and that's like 25%. It's uh, more like 20% when you purchase a stand or sticks or something like that. But uh, uh, either way, that's a really good discount, and that's to your door. So, uh, man, ab- absolutely. Uh, I love that product, and they have a huge discount, so it's like, why not use it? And that's it. We're done with the commercial. We're done with the intro. Let's get into today's turkey hunting gear and equipment BS session with my turkey hunting fool of a friend, Parker McDonald. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast, and today's guest is another hunting or uh, a hunting brother from the sportsman's nation and he is the host of the southern ground hunting podcast parker mcdonald parker what's up man oh dude just uh sitting here i just realized that it's way past lunchtime it's like 4 30 <laughs> and i was sitting here working and realized i hadn't eaten lunch yet so if I'm being honest, I'm sitting here eating my kids' chicken nuggets <laughs> Le- in my office. <laughs> Leftover <laughs> chicken nuggets from lunch, or you just warm them up oh, real yeah. quick? Yeah, I just warmed them up real quick and took some from their uh, their little stash and uh, having some chicken nuggies. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's uh, pretty much a staple in our household. We have a freezer full of convenience food, and that's what they get for lunch is like chicken nuggets and uh, like strawberries or macaroni and cheese and some fruit or whatever that you can get out of a can. And then they get the healthy stuff at, at supper time. Why is it that they make these chicken nuggets so good, though? Yeah, I, I mean, know, I know they're frozen chicken nuggets and they're like literally the best thing in our house. Right. Uh, and do you have an air fryer by chance? I'm not going to lie to you. I put these in the air fryer and it's the best thing. Yes. Ever. This is the first time I've ever done it. Yes. That's the, that is the, you know, coming out of uh, 2020, you know, everybody's like, oh man, really shitty year. I found out how good food tastes in an air fryer, especially kids, kids foods like chicken nuggets. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's good, man. So I feel, I feel like I could make a killing. By opening up a restaurant devoted to kids' chicken nuggets and like yeah. have all, all kinds of different recipes and different ways to to make kids' chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. They're so good. French fries, tater tots. Um, what else? What are what are what else are? Uh, oh, mini corn dogs. That's a hit in our house. Mini corn dogs. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah. So <clears throat> I could go for that. Yeah. So, um, dude. Uh, flipping through some Instagram and it sounds like you've already got a bird on the ground this year. Yeah, actually two of them. No I killed doubt. two last week. And uh it was it was cool, man. It was really fun. I went to a public piece here in Alabama that I'd never been. I'd never been, you know, in that part of the state to hunt. And uh everybody always talks about how good this specific area is and I had a few days that I could take off. And so I, I told my wife, I was like, listen, I'm going to go down here now that I have some time to actually devote to going and hunting this area. I'm going to go see what it's all about. And I went in there and I killed one the first morning and heard probably, I mean, probably I had probably eight gobblers around me that morning Yeah. and uh, killed one at like nine o'clock. So pretty early. And the next day was tornadoes and rain and wind. So I didn't hear anything. And then the, the the last day, I ended up killing a really, really good long beard. So it was it was a fun trip. I had a good time. So just out of curiosity, what are the birds doing this time of year? Because here in Iowa, I still have, I want to say, 16 or 17 days left before my season starts. Well, so obviously down here in Alabama and all across the southeast, really, you uh, you're really in a different weather pattern than probably what you've got there in Iowa right now yeah um for us like once we hit the end of February into March is when we start getting warm days so you're getting into 70 degree days you know so 70 80 degrees sometimes I think the day that I killed um on Friday when I killed the second bird it was up in the 80s that day and I mean it was a beautiful day the morning was kind of chilly a little bit cool and then it you know, it would probably be warm for you guys up there, but for where I'm at, 50 degrees is chilly and cool. Yeah. And uh, so right now, early on, they're super hinned up. When early in the day, they're going to gobble like crazy on the roost if you get around them, around a bunch of them. But they all have hens just about. If, this is really the time of the year, though, to go out and kill the dumb two-year-olds that don't have a hen maybe yet. <laughs> right. Um you know, if they don't have one, they're going to die, Yeah. especially if they're living on public land. If they don't have a hen, 
they're probably going to die really early because they're pretty desperate to get those hens. And so after that first week or two, it starts to get, you know, a little bit more difficult to kill. I say, I think it gets more difficult to kill. Other people have different opinions on it. It, I I always kill the two-year-old type birds early in the season and later in the season when it get, is when it starts getting really hard because the only ones that are left are the ones who are, are smart. You know, <laughs> they're the they're the smarter birds and they figured out a way to survive through that first couple weeks. Yeah. And so it gets a lot harder. to. You may you may hear them gobble, but it doesn't mean you're going to kill them. But later in the afternoon right now, you get like 10 o'clock um, late morning and then into the afternoon, those hens start going to nest and that's really when you can start getting a lot of uh, good action, like being in the game pretty consistently. Are they, resp- and then, are they you know, responsive at that time of day? They are. They are. If you, if you're there, a lot of people leave, yeah. you know, after the morning, if they quit gobbling, there's kind of a lull really every day um, from about eight o'clock, I would say eight to 10, 10 30, maybe 11 is like, to me, that's the time when, nothing's on the roost they're all on the ground and most of them have hens and they pretty well quit gobbling yeah that that's not like a hard fast rule but that's what i see more than anything is that like eight o'clock till 10 or 11 is it's pretty slow and that's when i normally try to just find a good spot that has good sign where you might see you know some birds come in and start just hanging out for that time period but after that is when when you hear a bird goblin after after 10 o'clock, in my opinion and in my experience, a bird goblin after 10 is one that is killable. And you probably, if you know, if you play him right, you have a really, really good opportunity to kill him. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean every day, you know, at 10 o'clock, you're going to hear him start gobbling again. But certain days, man, the, that time, it can just be insane. Yeah. It, I've killed most, most turkeys I've killed have been in that, like, after 10 o'clock range. Yeah. Yeah, it tells me that they want something or they're willing to move out of whatever area that they're in for, uh, I guess, an active hen or something like that. Yep, exactly. Cool. And they can still they can still be stubborn and hard to kill. Like For example, uh, last week on the second bird that I killed, uh, in between, it, it was a long story. I actually shared it on the most recent podcast so people can go listen to that. But um, I ended up running into two guys that were hunting together out there and we had been working the same bird all morning and just didn't know it. And, uh, we, I met up with them at like 10 o'clock is when we ran into each other and we were just standing there talking and I had a bird gobble. It was like 10 30 or so 10 45, a bird gobble. We set up on that one in, and then I ended up killing a bird later that day with those guys there with me. We set up on like four different toms between 10 o'clock and one o'clock that were just going crazy. It's like every time we would, one would work away, we would stand up and start talking again yeah. and we'd hear another one. Yeah. They were just like something about the, probably the barometric pressure that day or something. They were just, I mean, they were feeling it and ended up killing a bird. And actually after I killed, after I killed him, we were sitting there talking and hanging out, looking at the dead Turkey and another one gobbled. So like, there's no telling what we could have done that day. You know, yeah. had we, um, had enough tags and everybody wasn't trying to get home. Yeah. I I am in no way, shape or form a Turkey expert, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, uh, there are days when they're on and really fired up 
And those are the best days to be in the woods, man. I, I love those type of days. Mm-hmm. So. It is. And, and like, I'm not a turkey expert either. I'm like you. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I love it. Like, it doesn't quite hit the same as deer for me, but it's, it, I mean, it's not equal, yeah. but it's not far behind. I right. love it. There's something about, I'll say this. I, I love the feeling of killing a turkey more than I like the feeling of killing just any, just, you know, an average deer. Now a big old huge buck, that's a, that's something special, but like, you know, killing a three-year-old eight point versus killing a two-year-old, you know, inch spur with a 10 inch beard, you know, long beard like that, the turkey wins every time. The feeling of the actual, that, that wins for me. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, this is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and I wanted to bring you on today to talk a little bit about some of the gear that you use and some of the gear that I use um, out there chasing turkeys. And, um, you know, this is one of those conversations that might not necessarily be too terribly long because some of the gear and equipment that we use um, for deer hunting gets a lot of the focus, but, uh, there's still a lot of people out there who are interested in, in, um, you know, hunting gear and equipment for turkeys. And especially this time of year when a lot of seasons have started or they're about to start like Iowa, we have a a couple weeks left, like two and a half weeks before, uh, um, I start my season here in, in Iowa. I know a lot of the Midwest, you know, they, they're not until April, but, um, what's your, I'm just going to start high level real quick and just kind of ask you, what is your theory on um, turkey hunting gear and equipment? Well, for me, this is the same thing with deer as well. I'm I'm going to be similar on both of those ends in that uh, gear is not what kills the animal, right? right? Gear doesn't make you a better hunter. Um, it can make some things easier, but it's not going to make you better. And I think so many people whether it's in the turkey woods or in the deer woods, but since we're talking specifically about turkeys, so many people, so many turkey hunters think that unless you have the brand newest vest and the newest shotgun and the three and a half inch TSS, like those things can make you better, but they're like, like they can help you out, but they're not going to, they're not going to increase your opportunity. And so I'm of the opinion with everything is that find what works, find a system that works and let it just be muscle memory. It's a whole lot easier. Yeah. Concentrate all your effort on learning woodsmanship, learning how to, you know, learning how to call, uh, learning how to read sign and, uh, go scouting and finding areas that actually have turkeys rather than spending all your time because gear nuts are like this. A lot of guys are like this and I am this way whenever it comes to actually, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready to buy something new, I get like this, man. I mean, I'll spend hours and hours and hours scouring YouTube and scouring, you know, online forums and stuff about so-and-so turkey vest or so-and-so shotgun. I want to get what I want, but there's guys out there that literally that's all they do. Like they're not, and they're never killing stuff. They're never successful because, and, and they're never satisfied with what they have and so every single season, they're learning new equipment, and that time that they've spent learning new equipment could have been used a whole lot better to, to make themselves a, an actually a better turkey hunter. Yeah. And so that's my theory with it, man. I, I use, 
you know, every year I might buy something, something new, well, you know, whether it's a, a vest or a gun or, a, you know, start using a different type of choke tube or a red dot site. But I'll be honest with you, man, this year, um, the only thing I've done, I invested all my money every week. I would go and buy a box of shells, a box of TSS. That's what I shoot. I like shooting TSS. I've got my, uh, I've got my gun patterned with the federal number nines and it's great. And I don't have to do any, I, I patterned it last year. I got a new gun last year because I was using a crappy gun and uh, I decided I wanted to get something a little bit better. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I, just at each season, I might add one or two different things, but I'm, it's never going to be my whole system because yeah. your system, it takes time to learn. Right. So, right. Um, I spent all my money this year going and buying TSS every single every single week. I'd go to the shop just because of where we're at with ammo shortages and all that stuff. I just I stocked up on it, and TSS what, ain't cheap. What's so, TSS? I, and I'm sorry for not knowing that. It's uh, it's the tungsten super shot. Oh, that's I right. I think that's what it is. Yep, yep. Um, and it's kind of the it's kind of, I guess, the the newest thing. You know, they say that you can shoot out to 80 yards. You can shoot further. Yeah, it holds a tight the tighter pattern and um i started shooting it because uh i was finding that in the scenarios that i was given in the turkey woods when i was using like longbeard xr or some of the other you know regular turkey loads um i was very limited and i was missing a lot of opportunities because you know i didn't have the right shot for it and sometimes i might throw up a shot and it and it would be too far away, and I wouldn't even come close to hitting the the animal. And uh, hunting public land, I, I just really want to take advantage of every opportunity that I've give, been given. And so that's why I started shooting the TSS. It's expensive, man. It's like fifty bucks, sixty bucks for five shells. Woo. But I mean, when you need it, yeah. <laughs> when you need it, you need it. So you know. How much? And how much so, are you uh, extending your range with with that shell? You think? I would say, I mean, I, I've never really put it to the test on a turkey as far as like out to 80 yards, but they say you can shoot them at like 80 yards with TSS. And that also, they also say it only takes one, but I mean, you, you'll hold your pattern at 40 yards as, as far as I'll um, like pattern my gun at. And at 40 yards, it patterns like a 10 inch circle. Yeah. So, you know, exactly what you want for a, uh, for a turkey load to do at 20 yards for other shots. Yeah. The only problem with it is, is that when they come in real close, when they're 10 or 15 yards away, you're basically shoot, shooting a giant slug at the turkey's head. Yeah. And so it's easy to miss at close ranges with TSS. But I mean, I can count on one hand how many times I've actually been able to take a shot at 10 yards. Yeah. So, so uh, it's usually 20 to 30. So you're a, you're a shotgun guy, right? Absolutely. Okay. I, I've always wanted to kill a turkey with a bow, but here's my theory behind that. I, I, I burn all my bridges. I burn up all my brownie points during, you know, going west and hunting like elk and mule deer and taking out-of-state trips during the deer season that um, uh, I stick pretty close to home for the, uh, the Iowa turkey season. And 
before I was doing the Sportsman's Nation thing full time, I would only get three days to turkey hunt a year. Uh, the second season shotgun is like a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and maybe even a Wednesday. So I would take Friday off. I'd hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'd, I'd be done with it. And typically that's all I've, I've uh, you know, done. So over the years, life gets busy. I, I put all my time during the, uh, uh, into the, Oh, what was I going to say? All of, all of my time into the big game hunting for the most part. So that when turkey season's here, I just want to get it done, right? I, I only got three days to hunt. I'm, I'm yep. just going to go get it done. And typically, and now last year I'm hauling kids with me. Uh, so they're, they're young, so they can't sit and run around like I can. Um, so I, I've, I've taken the bow out a couple times, but I'm still like, I can't dedicate a whole season to it. Like I, um, just, just cause of time. So the three days is what I get. So I feel I'm going to use a shotgun. And for me, I've killed, man, I've had this Mossberg 20 gauge pump for, I don't even know how many years it is an old gun. It's beat up, but it does the job. No choke on it. It does the job. And, uh, I'm laying them down, you know, that, uh, I'd say somewhere between 30 and in maybe even a little, maybe even, maybe even 40 and, and it does the job. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm using a firearm. I'm using a shotgun. It's a 20 gauge. It's not like the quote unquote manly gun, like the 12 gauge is, but it, it gets the job. It gets the job done. So what, uh, what, what are you using for a shotgun? So it's funny that you say that manly 12 gauges. It seems like <laughs> in the turkey world, in the turkey world right now, everybody is moving like trying to get as light as they possibly can. So like there's the Stevens just came out with a. I mean, I don't think they just came out with it, but with a turkey 410. Oh really? That uh, 410 TSS and people really like it. Um, my buddy uh, Rick Taylor, who's a guy from Tennessee, who works for CVA. He, uh, they've got a little single shot 410 that shoots TSS and he, that's what he uses. And it's just lightweight, man. It's yeah. just like a little, you're not carrying around this big bulky gun. Um, that being said, I use a 12 gauge. I use a, a Remington 870 super mag, um, <clears throat> with the sure shot. I think it's sure shot thumb hole stock. Yeah. And it's a short barreled, uh, like a shorter barreled, um, 12 gauge, the 870, and so I, I wanted that because um, I just found I for years, years, I just got that gun last year. Yeah. And for years, I used a, an old Maverick 88, um, which is like Mossberg is a fairly cheap brand. But Ma like I believe Maverick is like their it's like their off brand, <laughs> you know, right. that they make. And it's just a it's just an old beat up thing. It was like my first gun that I ever got when I was a little kid, like 10 or 11 years old. And I just always used it. I never had a reason to not use it, um, but I did want to. I did want to invest in a, a a gun that's an actual turkey gun. You know, yeah. that one was getting a little hard to. It was getting a little bit hard to pump. Like, um, it's dirty. It's it's been. I mean, it's been a good gun for a lot of years, but it's just. And I'd still use it for sure. Yeah. But last year I decided to go ahead and I traded a deer rifle for. Uh, this this 870 and it, it does great and I really wanted something that had the ability to shoot um, three and a half yeah. inch shells yeah and that super mag does which I don't you know I don't shoot the three and a half so I shoot three inch because three and a half is just 
I don't need it. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't need that much, that much. And it, golly, dude, going out there and patterning a three and a half inch shell <laughs> will straight raise your arm. Right. Golly, it hurts. Yeah. And so I just, uh, I just use the three and a half inch, but I use that, that, uh, that 870 and it's a great, great little gun. I really like it. Yeah. And I think I'm using three inch shells for, uh, for my Mossberg as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it, and like I said, it, it does the job, and it's something that, uh, I, you know, like, I'm not a gun hunter, really, anyway. I don't go deer hunting with a gun. I'm just, an, I'm for the most part, a bow hunter. Uh, maybe that'll change here. I, I do want, at some point, to buy a really good shotgun that I can potentially pass down to my daughter or my son or whoever wants to use it. Um, but at this time... I think I'm just going to stick with that, that 20 gauge. Do, do you run a choke on your uh, gun at all? I do. I have a Carlson's, uh, I think it's a 660 choke yeah. on this one. And then I had a, uh, on that, on that Maverick, I believe it's called an undertaker okay. is what it was called. And I don't know what the constriction was of that. I just got something. It was really hard to find a choke that fit that gun. Yeah. And so I got one that I could find and it, and it worked, you know, it worked pretty good. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I've killed a lot of turkeys before I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Um, before I knew that you need, you had to have a choke to kill turkeys. I killed a lot of turkeys without a choke. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Out in Texas where I was raised at in West Texas, we had turkeys everywhere and we didn't know what we were doing, man. We weren't like, you know, it's not like we were watching Primo's Truth About Hunting or anything like that, like to try to become better turkey hunters. We were just going out and shooting things that were eating all of our deer corn all the time. And uh, and you can shoot them during deer season out in Texas. And so I shot a lot of turkeys with that shotgun with freaking like two and three quarter inch uh, like bird shot. Yeah. You know, I wasn't using turkey lows or a choke tube or anything like that. Um but, uh, there is something to be said. I did the, the day that it clicked is my first year of actually being a, like, like really, it was, it was one of the first years that I lived out here in the South and really like trying to learn how to actually turkey hunt. And uh, I went out there and at this point I had started shooting turkey loads for turkeys, but, um, I, I left them at home. And so all I had in my truck, I just happened to have a box of just like regular, like, you know, dub shot type stuff. And I was like, well, these are just going to have to work for today. It was opening day. And I went out there, man, and I called this Tom in. I was on this like little tiny food plot. And uh, this Tom walks in just right, right into my setup. And I shot at him about, I don't know, 25 yards. And I watched that shot hit him, yeah. right? Like it hit him well. And that joker got up and flew away. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That would not have happened with turkey shot. Like I'm never going to not use a load that's designed for turkeys. Like yeah. you just, that's, it is important. Like there's some things in it that aren't important. I think that part is. Now you can do it with some of the cheaper stuff, you know, nitro rimming is it remington that makes nitro and yeah, winchester sure. does some some cheap ones too so you can you know those work yeah but you need something that's designed for it yeah. and uh, and a choke tube doesn't hurt either 
choke tube does help you, but you can do it without it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hunting wide open. I use that, the three inch turkey shot and uh, no, like I said, not the manliest gun, but, uh, and I'm wide open with it. So my, obviously my goal is to get them in my lap, uh, to, to shoot them. Now, the next question that I kind of want to talk to you about is decoys. Uh, do you run decoys at all? And do you have a, a favorite or a specific setup that you use? So I, I'm, I'm mixed. I'm, I'm not against using decoys yeah. at all. I'll use them, you know, from time to time. Um, but most of my hunting is done on public land. And so decoys are kind of a dangerous thing when you start talking about hunting on public land. I was just looking on opening day down here. A guy posted on one of the turkey hunting pages. He was like, just got my, my decoy just got shot. A guy was behind me and saw my strutter decoy and shot it. And, uh, that's dangerous, man. I mean, people are stupid, you know? Um, but perhaps the dumbest move is to use a strutter decoy on public land that, you know, that's pretty dumb. Yeah. Um, now I have one, I have a, 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 I've got several decoys I do, but I carry these, uh, these little, they're like inflatable. So they're like, like almost like an inflatable toy Yeah. and they have a realistic looking head that goes with them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's something that I can, you know, bunch up the size of a baseball and keep it in my turkey vest. And if I have a reason to use it, um, there's some areas that I'll boat to that don't have any pressure and are big open fields. And I might, you know, during that lull time that I was talking about around eight o'clock, eight to 10, I might put a decoy out in one of those fields just in case one happens to come in there. That being said, I kind of feel like, in the air because there's there's a lot of turkey hunters down here in the south it's kind of a it's kind of a big deal you know everybody likes to turkey hunt and so um these birds a lot of them have been you know they've 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 figured out decoys yeah right like i don't think they're i don't think they're super capable of uh they're, they're pretty dumb you know they got a pea-sized brain uh and so i don't think they're capable of a ton of reason but i do think that decoys get used a lot most people who are not like super diehard turkey hunters are going to go out there with the decoy. And so they get used to that stuff. And, uh, I, it's hurt me. Honestly, it's hurt me to use a decoy more than it's helped me. I've, I don't think I've ever, uh, I don't think I've ever killed. I've killed a couple of Jake's early on yeah. over decoys, but other than that, I don't think I've ever killed a Tom over a decoy. Yeah. Um, just because anytime I've ever used them, they seem the hens. I'll give you an example, man. A couple on opening day, uh, I went with a guy who's a uh, a wounded veteran. He's a disabled vet, and he actually in the state of Alabama they let us hunt. They let a wounded vet can hunt, or a disabled person can hunt a day early. They open that season a day early. So me and him went out, and he had a, a hen decoy out in this field. And sure enough, dude, these hens. A hen came up out of, out in the field, and the, the gobblers were with her. He knew he had watched them roost together, and she came up, came out in that field and saw that decoy and hightailed it out of there because she was not trying to have any type of competition for her for her man, yeah. you know. And so it it really can hurt you a lot yeah. if you if you uh, are dealing with super pressured birds, especially. Yeah, I've uh, I've had it work both both ways, and I'll t- I'm going to tell you a quick story real quick. I, I, 
I'm not sure what year it was, but uh, this is my fr- uh, this guy I know. His name was Todd Pregnant. He's he's since uh, passed away uh, a handful of years ago. But one year he decided he he had never hunted turkeys before, and he decided he wanted to kill a turkey with his bow. So he was mowing his ditch, and he hit something with his lawnmower, and it was a uh, it was a hen turkey decoy had ants nest in it, right? And that was like two days previous to then we we stuck an arrow in the ground and we put this hen decoy in the middle of this cornfield and like he we he only had me in there to film it and to uh <laughs> and to uh, uh uh call for him because he didn't know how to call so i i was calling for him and uh, this big tom steps out and long story short over a period of an hour it, it it was with some hens, but it worked its way in. He shot it. And I mean, I'm talking, this thing had holes in it. It got hit by a lawnmower, but it looked, it did good enough, man. I mean, it did good enough to get this Tom in long story short. It was, uh, the world at the time, the world record, atypical archery, uh, Turkey, five beards weighed like, uh, 28 pounds, like uh, inch spurs or whatever. So it was huge. It was, it was crazy, man. Well, you know, there's there's a reason why everybody who's there's a reason why a lot of people use decoys. I think um, if you're hunting a lot of fields, you know, if you're hunting yeah. field turkeys, decoys are, decoys are great because yeah. if you're sitting out in the corner of a field and you're making hen calls, and Tom walks into that field and looks over there and don't see him, don't see anything over there, he's not gonna he's not gonna show up. He's not gonna come to you. More than likely, he's not gonna come to you. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're hunting a lot of fields like that, I mean, decoys can work definitely in your favor. Um, I don't have a whole lot of fields that I'm able to hunt. Yeah. And, uh, and so it just makes it, 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 it's just something extra that I'd have to carry most of the time. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's why I don't, I don't have anything against somebody using a decoy. I don't have anything. I, I was talking to a couple guys um, oh, the guys that I was hunting with the other day that I was telling y'all about that I, I ran into yep. on the public land and we killed that bird. Um, I was talking to them and I, I kind of felt bad, you know, cause I shot the bird and one of the guys was the one calling the whole time to try to get them. And then the other guy missed the bird, the first shot. And, uh, and so I stood up and shot him and we were sitting there talking and I was like, man, I hate that you didn't kill him that first shot. He's like, listen, he's like, there's lots of turkeys out there. I'm going to kill plenty of them. I'm not worried about it. He said, I'm, I don't care how they die. I just want to see them die. That's, that's <laughs> just ultimately yeah. what it comes down to. So if somebody wants to use a decoy. If somebody wants to reap, you know, take a yeah. strutter decoy out in the field and crawl on it. I don't care, man. I mean, I, I just like to watch them die. I don't care how they die. Yeah. I just, I think it, whatever means necessary to go out and kill a turkey, go out and do it. As long as it's safe, as long as it's legal, Yep. I don't care yeah. one little bit, but I just know it works for me. Yeah. And decoys for me haven't been super productive. Do you even have them in your pack all collapsed up uh, just in case the scenario calls for it, or do you just leave them in the truck? So it depends on where I'm hunting. Um, like I said, I have a, a public, one public area that I go to that I boat into that has a bunch of fields that uh, I don't go to it very much and there's not a lot of turkeys on it, Yeah. but there are a few. And so if I go and hunt that place, 
I'm definitely going to have that thing collapsed and in my in my vest. I, I keep it. I keep one decoy in my in my truck through the whole turkey season just in case. Yeah. Um. And if I go and hunt those fields, you know, I I may have it. If I like this past week, I was hunting. It was just a big woods area, big wide open hardwoods, ridges and stuff. I didn't even take it into my. I didn't even put it in my vest. Yeah. And uh, so it, now I have a. I'm on a lease that I got on this year for deer or this for next season for deer season. And, uh, I got on it for my daughter just because I need somewhere to take her. She's probably not going to, I don't feel like a kid's going to enjoy deer and turkey hunting that much if they have to get up at one o'clock in the morning and <laughs> go kayak. Right. Right. So I got on this little place and, uh, it's got some food plots and stuff on it. And I hunted it uh, last week on opening day. I hunted it and, uh, I took, I took that decoy with me and I set it up a couple times. Just, you know, I was just trying to learn the lay of the land and I set on a couple fields just for an hour or so, just to see if anything would come, come around. But, um, for the most part, most of my hunting is going to be, I mean, I'm going to say 90% public land and big woods yeah. with not a lot of ag or food plots or anything. So I'm just not even going to take it most of the time. Yeah. I will throw a decoy up at first light. And then when I start to move around the timber, right, I'll, I'll locate one in the morning, gobble, I'll set up, call, and then, you know, maybe he'll come in, maybe he won't, you know, you pretty much, you know, get try to get him off the roost and then uh, he'll make his way towards us. But uh, I typically don't do, I don't do that uh, like I don't set it up again, typically. I'll just then from there to run and gun. Right. It's the I'll just keep the decoy in my back uh, in my backpack unless the situation calls for it. I have it. I always have it on me just in case. But I never like I, I rarely use it after the first setup in the morning. So, um, yeah. How much money like how much money did you spend on your decoys? Do you I mean, is it something that you, you put a lot of lot into? Like, what's that? Is it is it a John Smith decoy? Those are like 300 bucks. No, no. Like I said, like, it's like a, like, think of like a, like a blow up, uh, think of like a blow up doll. Right. Right. Like, like a, a that toy. type of. A toy. Yeah. Like a toy. Yeah. It's not, it, it's not like high quality plastic or anything like that. I think I bought a set of three for, for probably 10 bucks or 20 bucks at Academy. Yeah. Um, and I, and I only carry one. I have another hen decoy that I bought early on that's like a, a nice like avian X or something like that. It's a really nice one. I don't remember how much I paid for it, but it's literally sitting in my in my tool shop right now because I just don't use it. Yeah. Um and and like like you said, I'm I, I do most of my stuff is gonna be running gun stuff. So and I'm carrying camera equipment around. Yeah, that's that's right. pro- I'll be honest with you, that's probably one of the bigger reasons why I don't want to carry a, a a big decoy with me much is because I got camera equipment. Yeah, that I'm trying to carry around. I know I can kill them without a decoy, so I just assume, you know, save space for camera equipment more than anything. Yeah. Um, so I I wish I could answer that question better, but I I've probably spent, I mean, in my lifetime, maybe fifty dollars on decoys. Yeah, not just not a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you now that the most expensive part of my decoy setup is uh, I've lost the the stakes that put them in the ground. 
so I've taken like old arrows yeah. that like the the fletchings came off or something like that and just cut them down to the right size. And I'll use just like an old arrow with a, a rusty field tip on it. And that's what I'll stick those, those decoys on. Yeah. Same thing. That's I probably do. the most expensive part of my setup. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I have a couple Montana decoys that are kind of cool and they, they smash down mm-hmm. almost to the size of a dinner, like a small dinner plate, like a, a tea plate. And then they expand up in the head and tail and I throw it on there. And I've, I've had pretty good experiences with those. And those aren't too, those aren't terribly expensive. Um, I would say as far as you, you got the Walmart specials that are like 40 bucks. And then you got your, the, the, whatever Smith decoys or the, the, they look like a stuffed Turkey basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those are like 300 some dollars. So, so I would say I'm, I'm closer to the, the low mid to low end of the spectrum when it comes to the money that I've spent on my decoys. And like I said, I only use them, uh, in the mornings and, and sometimes in the like late afternoons where, you know, maybe, maybe the birds are silent, right? They're not responding at all. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to a place where everybody can see me and I'm going to set up by a tree. I'm going to throw my decoys out and I'll just sit there and wait. Right. I I don't know where they're at. I can't locate them. So I'm just going to sit there and hopefully something sees me and works their way in uh, like on a uh, field edge or something like that. That might be the only scenario, other scenario that I, I use, but, um, calls now, uh, like I'll just, I'm just going to embarrassly say that I suck at using a mouth call, uh, a diaphragm call for turkeys. I, I, I absolutely suck at it. And that's why I use a Slater, a box call. That's okay. <laughs> Those will kill them too. Yeah. I mean, they sound good. Yeah. Are you, uh, what do you, what do you run? I have everything. So that is one thing where I do not, I don't skimp necessarily. I, I try to be as lightweight as I, as I can be, but like when it comes to mouth calls, I mean, a mouth call weighs nothing. It takes up no space. And so I carry, I, I bet I've got 20 different mouth calls in my, in my vest and out of those 20, I'll bet I use all of them at some point throughout the season, just depending on the situation I'm in. Yeah. So I heard, uh, I can't remember, maybe it was Cuz Strickland or somebody like that talk about it one time early on. And so I just never got away from this mentality of if you carry enough calls, just because the birds aren't gobbling too one thing doesn't mean they're not going to gobble to another thing. And so you just keep trying different things throughout the day and seeing if that one sound is, or that one frequency is what they're, what they're looking for. Right. Sometimes it might be a, a ghost cut that doesn't have a whole lot of rasp. And sometimes it might be, you know, some type of combo cut or like a, something like that. That's just raspy as I'll get out. Um, it just really depends on depends on the scenario. Now, uh, I carry a I carry two different um, pot calls, so I'll carry. Uh, actually, I, I've got three of them, but I usually only carry two. I've got a slate that was built by my buddy Justin Holland with Holland Custom Calls, and I mean it sounds freaking amazing. Everybody needs to go check him out because he's he's got a really really good uh, good set of calls that he's selling. Um, I've got the slate that he made and then a glass call that he made. And, um, both of those, 
have they had he put like the southern ground logo on them and stuff so they look really cool um and then i carry just a cheap like like something i bought at walmart probably it's a cheap night and hail uh i think it's called like long spur series aluminum pot call and uh that thing has probably killed more turkeys for me than any call that i have yeah it's probably the cheapest call that i have but those aluminum like i said i, I hunt big ridges like it's like big woods lots of you know tall trees tall ridges and so it gets really 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 windy and when all those trees are blowing in the wind you can't hardly hear anything and sometimes your calls don't don't uh pierce pierce through that noise they don't they don't cut through and so that aluminum call man it 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 hurts my ears whenever i let it out when i start doing some excited yelps on it and stuff yeah and you'll hear a bird all of a sudden just gobble from a mile away, it sounds like, because he heard it. And so I always have that one. If I had to choose one that I could take with me all the time, it'd probably be that call. Just because I can make it sound sweet and, and you know, quiet, and I can just rip on it, and it'll cut through anything. Yeah. And so I, I think everybody needs to get something like that and have that in their vest. You know, whether it's aluminum, Catman, my friend Catman does, uh, he uses a wingbone call. And uh, he makes those, and they sound really good, and they cut through like that. And then uh, Cuz Strickland talks about a tube call that he uses, and it's like that. They don't sound all that great or realistic up close, but from far away, like, they just cut through that wind and cut through the noise, and and they're awesome. Yeah. Like, they're really good. Now, I do – I carry – like I said, I carry a bunch of mouth calls. Um, probably my favorite. I really um, – everybody talks about Woodhaven custom calls and probably most people know about them because the hunting public uses Woodhaven custom calls. And so they see their name a lot, but I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it is that they do, but the way that their mouth call like rests on the roof of my mouth and like the, it's just, it's super comfortable and it really works for me. Like it really, really sounds good feels good like it's just a it's a good they make a good product there at woodhaven yeah and so uh that's probably my favorite but then dude i've got i've got all kinds i've got some cheap primo stuff from walmart i've got some uh hooks hooks custom calls is uh what i use for uh, they hooks makes a ghost cut that is freaking awesome and then i use uh appalachian or Appalachian, Appalachian, whatever you want to call it, custom calls. Um, I've just got all kinds of mouth calls, man. Yeah. And then I got one box box call that's from uh, Hunter's Addiction, which I, I believe they're out of business now. But uh, it's a little tiny, tiny little box call that does pretty good. I don't use it a ton, but I take it with me yeah. just in case. Yeah, I got a, uh, I got a, I'm a slate call guy. I don't know. I, for me, I can just get the sounds that I want out of a slate call. And I have two on this piece of rope that I keep. Uh, and if one doesn't work, I'll try the other. And one is just like a crisp, a crystal clear <clears throat> sounding hen call. And the other one's got a little bit more rasp to it. And, uh, that's what I use for, um, that's what I use, you know, when I'm starting to like a call process, but, uh, and I think that's a hunter specialty. Both of those are hunter specialties, just different sizes, um, or, uh, different styles. I think one is a actual slate and then one is glass or something like that. 
And yep. uh, so two different sounds that come out of the, there and I keep both those in my pack. And uh, I actually, I use the same striker on, on both of them. So they, it works, you know, there as well. And then I have a Primos, man. I just like two years ago, I bought a brand new one cause the other one got wet and warped. Uh, so I been, I've been using uh, one from Primos and the cool thing about this one from Primos is it can get wet and it still sounds you can still use it after it's wet. There's no chalk that comes with it. So that's yeah. uh that's a, I don't know. I like having something like that where I don't have to bring a piece of chalk in the timber with me. So, uh, and, and so I'll walk around using the box call for like basically to locate. And then once I locate one, then I'll switch to and, and set up. And as I get closer, I'll, I'll start using the, uh, uh, the, the slate calls what uh and i've 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 got it down to where i can use it one-handed like on the ground sitting next to me i can use it one-handed and then i can slowly bring my hand up if i need to right as they start to work their way in uh, and that way i still you know i suck at a mouth call so that way i've just kind of taught myself how to hunt without using one so those are the those are the mouth calls that i use both dirt cheap and i think i bought one at uh shields and then the other one the other ones i bought at uh a walmart i'll tell you dan um talking about calls and gear one of the greatest pieces of gear that i have for calling is uh it's an app by scott ellis and it's called i believe it's called the turkey tech app and i want to say i paid like three bucks for it but you just go through it, and for people like in the off season or for new turkey hunters, you're trying to learn how to make these sounds and you know what sounds do do turkeys actually make. And what he has is he has it all listed out here. So he's got like barred owl, cluck, cluck and purr, crow locator, cutting, excited yelp, fighting purr, fly down cackle, gobbler, Jake yelp, a kiki run, plain yelp, and tree yelp. He's got all these grouped, and then you click on one, and you can uh, you can watch him make the call, or you can go to uh, a section that's audio, and it has so like uh, I'll go to um, you can actually hear the turkey uh, making the call. Yeah, so he's got I'll go to plain Yelp. So on plain Yelp, this is what everybody kind of starts out with. He's got um, the plain Yelp with a mouth call. So you got that. That's him making that with a, a mouth call. Okay. Then he's got a, a a friction call. So you can like copy those. Yeah. This is an app. And then he's got. Yeah, it's an app. And then he's got the real the real sound. So here's a real hen. And then he's got another one. And then here's the cool thing. So I'm going to grab this mouth call real quick. I think this is something that everybody should probably take a look into. It's really neat. So this is educational too. You can listen to all these things and you can really like practice it with it while you're doing it. But then at the bottom of each page, it has a record button. So that was me. I recorded it. And I can play it back and listen to how did I how did I do? You know, how does that match up with the rest of the, the calls? 
Yeah. And um, he has that for everything. He's got, like I said, he's got Kiki runs, Yelps, Excited Yelp. Jake, okay. Jake what Yelp. is the name of this thing again? What's the name of this app? It's called Turkey Tech. Turkey Tech. Okay. I want to, I'm going to go take a look at that as soon as we're done here. So cool, man. All right. So, uh, we, we talked about the calls. We talked about decoys. We talked about the weapons that, that we use. Um, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the camo game. Right. And I'll say this, I, I think that camo or, you know, obviously sitting still is very important, but I think camo and uh blending in with your surroundings is probably more important for turkey than it is uh for deer hunting what's your thoughts on that so uh, you know i with deer i will uh, pretty much i'll wear anything you know I, i don't have any problem wearing just about anything to the woods to hunt deer um, now I do work with a, uh, a company called Scree gear and, uh, we're partnered with them. And so obviously I use their stuff and I really, really like it. And, uh, for deer and turkeys and everything, it's really good stuff. And so that's what I, what's, that's what I use now for turkeys specifically, I would not be caught dead trying to hunt turkeys in like flannel yeah. or plaid pattern. Or stuff like that that you can get away with with deer. For turkeys, that that's about their main their main defense is eyesight. Like that's that's what they've got. Yeah. Um, they can't smell. If they could smell, we would never kill one. Um, but they can daggum see like crazy good, and they can hear really good too. Um, but I think that sound doesn't spook them nearly as much as sight does. I've had turkeys that. There's no way they should have been able to see me, see me from, I mean, even in a deer stand during deer season, I'll be up, I'll be up in my saddle and I'll see a turkey at 200 yards and they peg me so fast. They peg me quick. And so when it comes to hunting them, I try to, um, really be kind of like you said, camo with my surroundings. And most of the time I'm going to be up against a big tree, the biggest tree that I can find yeah. in that spot. And so I'm going to try to, to, to be in something that is more, got more dark stuff. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my deer camo, a lot of the, the scree stuff that I've got for deer season, it's a pattern. It's called a uh, uh, summit and it's got a lot of greens, lots of whites and light tans. And I just, I choose not to wear that nearly as much during turkey season. I'll use a pattern they have. It's called Mountain Stealth, and it's more dark, kind of tree bark looking uh, type pattern. And I think that's why Bottomland from Mossy Oak has, is kind of a staple in the turkey hunting community is because it, it's not just a bunch of breakup, but it's it's matching the pattern for where you're going to be at, which is usually up against a tree. And so I've had, I've had birds um, – for example, last year I shot, uh, I, I shot him, but as soon as we were within eyesight of each other, um, I was up against a tree and I was in that pattern that has all the whites and greens and all that stuff. It was early season. So stuff hadn't greened up yet. And as soon as we were in eyesight, that joker turned around and was running away and I had to shoot him on the run. Yeah. And I think it's because I, I think he saw me, I stuck out pretty dang well for, for where I was at. 
And so um, I really, I think it's more important to have everything covered. So all I wear gloves, I wear a face mask. If I'm not wearing face mask, I'll wear face paint. Um, for the most part, I feel like face paint is kind of just to look cool for pictures during deer season, <laughs> but man, for turkeys, it, it's important to have your face covered. And if you don't want to wear a mask, then paint's the way to go about it. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, I, I would say anybody should be using something like, um, bottomland or something that gives like the tree bark kind of look. Now I have seen people in some of the Sitka patterns, sitting up against a tree and I think it's because they have so much breakup in them and they look, it looks really good too. Um, first light people wear a lot of the first light stuff. Um, but I, I still think first light has a little bit too much, too much open, you know, yeah. white and like skyline type stuff that you would use in a, in a elevated position. Yeah. And so just really keying in on the darker breakups is, is kind of where I would, would would lean towards for camo yeah are you uh you know i, I know you're working with scree but uh before you were working with them i mean are you just your simple the same same camo that you're using for your deer hunts pretty much yeah, yeah man i mean the thing about turkey season that's a little bit different from deer season is that you're moving around at least my style of kind of running gun turkey hunting yeah. in the the hills and hollers is you're moving around so much and it's hot during the spring. And I mean, it'll be nothing in April for us to have 95 degree weather and humid. And you don't want to wear long sleeves and, you know, jackets and hoodies and stuff. Like you want to be in light, you know, super lightweight stuff. So some of the, some of the, you know, leafy jackets that people are wearing, that's just like a, basically a net jacket with a leafy stuff on the outside. Yep. Like, that stuff is great for turkeys because it, it does blend well. It's lightweight. You can wear just a, you don't have to wear anything underneath it. If you don't want to, you can stay cool. And, uh, you know, I think that's a big part of it too, is a lot of our camos that we use for, for deer hunting is going to be geared towards colder weather or cooler weather than what we get during the spring. And so you want, you want something that's going to keep you in the woods longer, even on those hot days, because, I mean, that's, that's when you're going to be there during spring turkey season. Right. And so try to find something lightweight. I used to wear a lot of the, uh, um, Under Armour Ridge Reaper stuff. Yeah. Um, that's done really well. I've, I've worn, Kelly, I've worn all kinds of real tree and yeah. mossy oak and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but bottom land, it's tough to beat. It really is tough to beat bottom land for mossy oak as far as turkey hunting it yeah. that stuff is that pattern is just so stinking good yeah i'm kind of the opposite man <laughs> like i huh. i'm wearing solids like i'm i move around a lot you know jumping fences and um in the past i may have thrown together you know i've used some of my western gear for uh, like the lightweight western gear uh some self self um what is the sub alpine from Sitka? I've used that. Um, I've used, you know, I've had the mossy oaks, the real trees as well. But I'll tell you this: um, I almost use the environment around me to hide me. So I'll be wearing like a solid brown, uh, like uh, Wranglers or Dickies, and just this big, thick brown hoodie. Um, 
I think it's from a company called Arborware that they make gear for arborists. So uh, it's a big, thick hoodie, and then underneath of it, I, I'll throw on a base layer if I need it, you know, like just a, a, a merino wool base layer. But that's about it, man. And then I just sit still, move around a little bit. You know, if I need to move around, um, I'm, I'm trying to set up in a bush or right up in a, in a crook of a tree or, or something like that. So um, for some reason, I've just, I feel like I, I, I personally feel like I can get away with murder, literally, with, uh, with solid colors, man. Both, both in, the, in the, deer, the deer stand and in the, uh, and in the turkey woods. So uh, I'm, I'm not running anything special, you know, I'm not wearing rubber boots. I'm wearing my, 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 basically my Western hiking boots. I'm wearing my, uh, my solid colors and I, I have a big hood on it, on it. So I'll fold it way forward. So it kind of brings some shadow into my face and, uh, that, that way I can get away without, cause I hate wearing a mask and I hate having face paint. So I am, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, that's what, that's, that's what I rock. So I, you say it, you're the opposite. I think we're actually a lot more similar in that the, the, the stuff like bottomland and like the, what I was talking about scree with their, um, mountain stealth pattern, like it's really keying in on the, the solid colors and doesn't have a ton or the, the darker colors. And it doesn't have a ton of the breakup white yeah. and greens and stuff like that. So yeah. I think I think we're we're actually a lot more similar because for turkeys I would rather have something that's you could throw a you could throw a you know a, a camo jacket right in front of a a tree a tree trunk or whatever yep. the base of a tree and it's going to stick out whereas a brown like a dark brown you could throw that there and it's going to blend in a lot better and and that's where those you know bottomlands and mountain stealth and those kind of patterns like that really shine is right up there against the base of the tree. And I'm like you, man, like I'm, if I have the chance, if I have like the, the opportunity to, I'm going to try to get into some, some type of blowdown or, or a a tree or something like, you know, a a bush or something like that. Something that gives me more cover. But a lot of times I just don't get that, you know, because you, you want to with turkeys and in the terrain type stuff that I'm, that I'm hunting in most of the time, I mean, you kind of just have to set up, use use your woodsmanship skills to to determine, okay, if I'm a turkey and I'm right there where he's gobbling, how am I? What route am I going to take to get to right here, or where's the best spot for me to set up? Yeah. To to get where he wants to be at, or in his easiest, you know, path. Yeah. To get up up where you're at. So, um, I don't always have that opportunity to get somewhere to get, you know behind cover if i have it i'm going to use it if i don't i want to be able to do something i think really the most important thing is your movements yeah with turkeys i don't know that it's nearly as much about the pattern or the camo as much as it is you moving around um but your movements can be hid a lot better if you're wearing something that blends in better if that makes sense yeah that's a fact that's something i can agree with um so yeah, man, uh, we've been talking a long time about uh, gear, equipment. Hell, we even threw some strategy in here for you guys today. So uh, Parker, man, I really want to say thank you for taking time out of your day and hopping on and uh, chit-chatting with us today about some of the equipment that you use. Uh, we didn't even get into 
like I'm going to give you the the nickname Backdoor Man because you are the king of like. I don't know if I like that. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean by that is you taking your kayak, you know, using water to access and and backdooring all this uh, public that you hunt, um, and giving these critters a run for their money. So uh, we, you know, we didn't even talk about the kayak that you use or any of that any of that stuff but uh thanks for coming on and uh bn bsing with us today man absolutely dude thanks for coming on it's always uh always fun to be able to break up the work day with talking to dan johnson so <laughs> i don't mind <laughs>